This is Peter Rosenberger, and one of the reasons I wrote my new book, A Minute for Caregivers, is because I remember the sinking, despairing feeling of struggling as a caregiver. No one knew what to say to me. I didn't understand, and others didn't understand me. For decades, I foraged along and tried to find my path through this medical nightmare that Gracie and I have endured for nearly 40 years. And I've learned to speak the language of caregivers. I speak fluent caregiver. No pastor, no counselor, no medical provider, no friend should ever throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to say to that caregiver. Because I do. Give them a copy of this book. It's called A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day Feels Like Monday. They're easy to read, one-minute chapters that speak directly to the heart of a caregiver, and you can get them wherever books are sold. A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day feels like Monday. Friends don't let friends caregive alone. Good morning. Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver live on American Family Radio. We are glad that you're with us. Show number is 888-589-8840. This is a show for the 65 million Americans who are putting themselves between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster. And if that's you, this is your show. How are you doing with that, by the way? How are you holding up? You see, caregiving takes a toll on your your heart, your body, your job, your wallet, every relationship, your home, everything about you feels the pinch of this. And now there's a show for you live on American Family Radio that's just for you as a caregiver. And I'm... Berger. I've been doing this for now 32 years as a family caregiver. I understand the journey. I speak fluent caregiver. <laughs> this is your show, and, and we're glad that you're with us. I've written a couple of books on this. I've got a new one coming out uh, in November. It's called Seven Caregiver Landmines and How You Can Avoid Them. And my first book was called Hope for the Caregiver. And that's why we named the show Hope for the Caregiver. What is hope for the caregiver. Hope for the caregiver is the unswerving conviction that we as caregivers can live a calmer, healthier, and dare I say it, an even more joyful life, even while dealing with very, very harsh realities. And we can do this. It's not easy. It's a lot of work. But, you know, we're caregivers. What about our life is not work? And that's the whole point of this thing is that let's just work smarter. Let's let's incorporate some tools in there that will help us do these things better and make us healthier for the journey. And why is that important? Well, I'll tell you why that's important. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Just that simple. If your own health is squirrely, how are you going to help somebody whose health is is impaired, either by mental health, alcoholism, 
substance abuse, physical disability, aging, special needs child, whatever. Whatever the scenario is, how are you going to be of help to them if you're not in good shape? Emotionally, physically, fiscally, spiritually. Go down the list. And that's why we do the show. That's why American Family is putting this show out there for you live on Saturday mornings, 888-589-8840. Now, the way you know it's live is we just had a bunch of Supreme Court hearing stuff going on this week, and it got a little gnarly. See, that's current events. I'm just letting you know the show is live. So you're waking up and you're driving around and you're saying, really, a show that's live on Saturday mornings for caregivers? It can't be live. It must be pre-recorded. No, it must not be. We are live. And I am Peter Roseberg, and I'm glad you're with us. We always start off with a... A scripture, and I have one specifically today that I want to talk about on a on a subject we're going to get into. And you all know this scripture. This is Exodus 20, verse 12. It's one of the Ten Commandments. <coughs> Sorry about that. I'm getting over a cold. And if I start talking like Bill Clinton, y'all don't be scared, but sometimes I do that. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which your Lord, which the Lord your God has given you. All right? We've all heard this scripture. Honor your mother and father. And what happens, I have found, with a lot of caregivers is they are taught by guilt when it comes to taking care of a mother or father who has Alzheimer's, some type of debilitating disease, where they become unmanageable, where they become unreasonable where it's a uh, combative situation, sometimes abusive situation, sometimes a very dangerous situation. And yet, I see person after person after person who just is tormented with guilt over how they're handling and how they're honoring their mother and their father. And so I, I'm going to, I'm just going to lay this out here. Are you in that kind of position right now? Are you struggling? And it may not be your, your parents. It may be another family member or so forth, but I think the principle still applies about honoring one another and caring for one another. But what happens is, is that the disease or the impairment takes over. And I had a friend over at the house yesterday and we have, we have a mutual friend and this, this woman is taking care of her husband with Alzheimer's and he's becoming incredibly difficult to deal with. Um, he's very abusive to her. Uh, he is um, angry. He's short-tempered. He gets unhappy about everything else. And now her mother has come into the picture. She's elderly, and she's not happy about things. And I, I wrote a note to this friend of ours, sent her a copy of my book, and I said, you're not required to make them happy. Honoring your husband, honoring your mother does not necessarily meaning does not necessarily mean honoring Alzheimer's. Okay, it, it's it's just not that's not the way it works. It's a disease. It's an impairment. You do not have to honor the disease. I, I think it's really important for you to listen to that uh, because I think that we get we get trapped in this thing. We we somehow think that our loved one because they're suffering with something, it's our job to honor their impairment, to make them happy in their impairment. But it's not. I, I, I've seen all through Scripture. I, I've never seen that. I think we honor who they are by caring for what this impairment has done to them. And we don't treat them unkindly. 
But that does not mean that we are responsible for them to be happy. When they are impaired, particularly with a disease like Alzheimer's or other uh, uh, issues that debilitate the entire ability to, to think, I'm not responsible to make someone happy in that situation, and neither are you. Are you struggling with that? Are you, are you living with this kind of uh, torment in you as you're trying to struggle with that uh, with a family member? 888-589, write this down, 888-589-8840. And this is your show to talk about that because we can. And I, I think we easily forget those things. And so we need somebody to help us remember what the goal is. If you have somebody who is an alcoholic in your life, alcoholism, a disease, and you become addicted to this, you become an alcoholic, a person becomes an alcoholic, it's a disease, and in that disease, there are people around that person who loves them, but if they are actively participating in that disease, they're not in any kind of recovery program and they're actively drinking, are you required to make them happy in their dysfunction, in their disease? in their addiction? If you've got somebody who's mentally ill in your life, are you required to make them happy? I don't think so. You're required to treat them with honor, with care, with concern. But you're not required to make them happy. And I think this is what happens with us as caregivers. We get so disoriented in this, what I call the, the fog of caregivers, fear, obligation, and guilt. And that fear that, what are we going to do about this? That obligation, well, this is my mother or this is my, my brother or this is my, my father. I've got it to my husband or my wife and I've got to take care of them. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I, that's how you know you're an obligation when you use words like I got, I have to, I need to, I should, I must, I ought to. That's that obligation. And then the guilt that we get into this thing that just tears us apart. And I'm not talking about guilt over sin. I'm talking about guilt over, I feel guilty if I just want them to be quiet for a minute so I can sit down and have a nice meal. You, you follow me that? You, you tracking with me on that one? That's what we're going to talk about today. That's what we're going to spend a lot of time with because this is where a lot of caregivers are really struggling. If you're one of those, then here's the number. 888-589-8840. One more time. 888 888- 589-8840. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. This is the nation's number one show for the family caregiver. On American Family Radio, we are so glad you're with us. We'll be right back. I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and 26 years ago, I walked for the first time on two prosthetic legs. I saw firsthand how important quality prosthetic limbs are to an amputee. This understanding compelled me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana in West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies. And with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I'm Standing With Hope. This is- 
Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is the nation's number one show for the family caregiver. I am Peter Rosenberger, bringing you three decades of experience to help you stay strong and healthy as you take care of someone who is not. And we are glad you're with us. The phone lines are open. And evidently, I hit a nerve with this topic because the phone line started getting very full. And uh, if you want to be on the show, here's the way you do it. 888-589-8840. All right? 888-589-8840. And uh, we're talking about relationships and people who are trapped in this this very difficult place of thinking I've got to make somebody happy who has an impairment, whether it's Alzheimer's, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's drugs, whether it's prescription drugs under a doctor's care or whether they're taken illicitly, whether they have autism, that doesn't matter. If you are in that bondage of thinking you've got to make somebody else happy, you know, that song, make someone happy. No, that's not good theology. I'm not, I'm not here to help make someone else happy. What I am do is to live a calmer, healthier, and even more joyful life while I deal with sometimes very difficult realities. And that's our that's our place as caregivers. That's a safe place for us as caregivers where we realize I'm not responsible for that. I am responsible to treat them with respect. I am responsible to honor my mother and father, as Scripture tells me. That's our Scripture for today. But I'm not responsible to honor Alzheimer's. I'm not responsible to honor Lou Gehrig's disease. I'm not responsible to honor autism. Okay, it's really important that we understand the difference. When a disease calls, you don't have to answer the phone. All right, you're not responsible for that. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Kim in Michigan. Kim, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Good morning. Oh, wonderful, Mr. Rosenberg. I really appreciate your program. It's wonderful. I wish there was more like this. I mean, you, you speak with ministers and pastors, and nobody has an answer. Nobody. Um, my mother well, is, we don't have an answer on this show, but we do have a path. Okay, that's the difference. Yeah. We, I, I can't give you answers any more than you give answers to me with my situation. With, but I can. What I can do is help get a well lit path to safety, where we can all, as caregivers, catch our breath, take a knee if we need yeah. to, and then start developing better ways to deal with this. But tell us what's going on in your life. Okay, so my mother's ninety two, and as far back as I can remember, she's from um, England, Scotland, and not a big medication taker doesn't like it and I've always suspected there's a little bit of an imbalance with her since day one as as long as I can remember five six years old Um, however as she has progressed uh, she also has a brand new heart she had quadruple bypass um, so she's got a lot of energy however um, I what was happening is I have to go over to her house every morning before work give her her pills almost drop them in her mouth or else she won't take them which is the hypothyroid um, and it, it's it's very difficult. Well, we went and got her checked. Her B12 levels are very, very low, which is dangerous for the elderly, and she said, I don't care if you ever talk to me again. I'm not taking that B12 shot, and she has become increasingly aggressive, nasty toward me, so I, you know, I was concerned, got an uh, um, adult uh, protective services involved because I'm worried. I'm worried about her, uh, and she's fine with them. She's normal. She's clear, she's kind and sweet, um, but she saves it all up. She saves it all up for me. And I was talking to, um, I'm I'm Catholic, even though everything I listen to is on this American family radio station, but um, he he just didn't know what to say. I mean, you try to honor your parents, 
you try to do the right thing, and it's just continued nastiness won't take the pills. And when she doesn't take the pills, uh, what you reap with not taking a hypo or a hyperthyroid is it, it's you won't even believe it. It's they're completely unbalanced. The digestive system doesn't work, and it's just it's cyclical. It goes on and on and on. And this nastiness, I don't really. I think maybe it's progressed a little bit with old age, but it's been there since I was very young. Um, I finally well, and it probably it, it, it probably won't get better, Kim. I mean, you know, and if it, at ninety something years old, she's probably not going to change from that too much. Uh, it'd probably get a little bit worse, in fact. However, you got somebody that's helping you with the, the services. She, she's nice to them. Will she take the B twelve with them? No, um, she'll pretend, and she's like, "Oh, I'm fine, I'm fine." She'll talk them into leaving. She's very shrewd. Um, she, she's intelligent. There's pockets of clarity. Um, I, I think the word I, you're I looking for is man- done. The, the word you're looking for is probably manipulative. Yeah, and narcissistic. It's I don't know. You know, I don't know what to do. I pray about it. Um, the last episode, very nasty, but intelligent enough to, uh, boy, she can really pull it over. And then you try to discuss this with a care worker outside of the family, and um, they look at you like you're crazy because here's this nice little old lady, and I'll tell you, it's it's exhausting. And it makes you just, I quit drinking nine years ago. I have a, I had an alcohol problem just because of the family I grew up. And that's okay. I mean, it's okay. It is what it is. You can either carry it around or you can fix it. So I quit, I went to AA, quit drinking. But she makes you just want to guzzle a gallon. I'll tell you, I mean, it's, you try everything, everything. Well, first um, off, congratulations on, on your recovery. Okay. God bless AA. Oh, he, God. Here's, here's the deal with, with your mother. You can't be responsible for what somebody else puts in their own body or doesn't put in their own body. I mean, at some point, she's a, she's a grown woman, I mean, 90-something years old. Now, she may be impaired. She may not be. She may just be mean. She may be manipulative. All those things. But at some point, she's going to be responsible unless she is mentally incompetent for her own well-being. You're not. You are not dishonoring her uh, if you take your hands off of this for a little bit. Now, you can do what I call a cutout. And you have somebody else that gets involved with this, and that may be her primary care doctor. Now, mm-hmm. um, yep. does her primary care doctor know about all these things? He does. It's funny you said that. Um, it, it, it's just ironic you said that. Actually, I they called the other day and said your mother's meds are ready to be picked up, and I said, well, I'm I'm I really can't take care of her anymore. And she's got a lot of energy. She walks. She talks. She gets around. So they went back to her doctor, her primary care, and I have a feeling they'll find somebody else in the family. Now, my other sister, we don't, we've never been close, but she lives on the other side of the, the United States, and she was over there for a couple of years, and just she was just dropped back. Um, so the other sister can't care for her. I mean, she drives everybody nuts. It's very difficult. I mean, she drives everybody nuts. Um, well, what is and, the plan not, if you go nice. if, if you go down? What's the plan? There's no plan. Nobody well, in the family communicates. I, I, you know, I've tried. I've got, you know, I got the legal thing involved, got the attorneys involved, got everybody on a conference call. What are we going to do? Did all her legal work, did all her beneficiary work. And then the other sister came in, took everything over, put everything in her name. They dropped her back off in Michigan. No one called or told me. Um, boy, I'll tell you, um, Mr. Rosenstein, it's very, it's, it's in the, the, the fine line with me is, you know, you want to do the God thing. 
You want well, you don't want to disappoint our dear Lord, and it's it's let's let's it's, let's it's, change uh, our view of of God a little bit. That you're not somehow able to um, struggle with this kind of thing, and all of a sudden God's up there with a big grading pad trying to say, "Okay, Kim, you really you really messed this one up. You know, we're going to have to slap you around a little bit." That's not the way God works. Okay, He understands yep. the, the pain of this. Uh, he took care of his own mother from the cross. Okay, let's 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 put all this in perspective. And first off, it's Peter. You don't have to call me Mister Anything. And uh, oh, it's just it's just you, Peter. Peter. Thank you. Uh, we don't stand on formalities here. It's seven o'clock on Saturday morning here in Nashville, so we don't we don't stand on formalities. But um, we, um, I think that the 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 first thing you do is is continue working your recovery program, okay? Because the stress of this is going to affect your own journey. If you struggle with alcoholism, this is not exactly what you call a helper for that. And so you keep working your program. You stay in touch with your sponsor. You do that for you first. That's, that is, that is paramount for you to be in a good place on your recovery program. The second thing is you can talk with her primary care doctor and let them know, look, I've got to take a step back. My mother is, is unwilling and abusive and very difficult for me to deal with. There's too many family dynamics. So you guys work it all out. I'll do that. And if you and if you yeah. think that if, if 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 you tell this to the doctor, said, look, if you think that she's a danger to herself or others, you're her doctor. Okay, yeah. I will do what I can, but I'm at a, I'm at a stand a standoff with her where I'm having to fight her to take care of her, and I don't think that's a good place. That's and if exactly something, it. and and tell the doctor, said, look, if something happens to me, there's no good plan. So. Right. And and the doctor may be able to refer you to some type of social worker who can help arbitrate this and move you guys down a different path. And I would I would probably recommend that. But I think you're going to need those cutouts of of buffers between you and your mom, so that you can yep, on the absolutely. you can help her, but you may have to help her from a little bit further distance than you've been doing. There is no need to walk in to that blend, stick your hand in that blender, and. Every time you do, then by your own definition this morning, it makes you want to start drinking. And that's a bad place for you. So if you turn, if you turn back to drinking, this thing's going to turn into a Greek tragedy. And so what we want to do is help you get to a place of safety where you realize, okay, I'm going to work my program. I'm going to be going to AA. I'm going to be working on this. Keep listening to this station. Keep listening to this show and keep yourself in that very narrow path of safety and then have that honest conversation with her physician and with her care providers and say, look, this is what's going on. If you don't like it, help me because she's, she's going to hurt herself this way and I can't force her to take these things. And you're going to end up having to admit her into a hospital because her body's going to shut down. I can guarantee yep. you if, if that doctor is dealing with a 92-year-old patient, it's not the first 92-year-old patient that doctors dealt with. Yep. Right. And yep. and that's Absolutely. that's where we start. Now, that's not an answer, Kim. We're not giving answers on this show. What we're doing is trying to develop strategies to deal with something that is way beyond our skill set. You do not have specialties in geriatric medicine, I'm, I'm assuming. No, no. And so, no. so we're, it's way beyond our skill set. 
But if you, if it takes you down into a path where your addiction starts cranking back up, that's a bad place for you. And I can, I can tell you that I'm speaking for pretty much everybody listening across the country right now saying, we want you to be safe. That's important to us, Kim. Okay. Great, great direction, Peter. Thank you. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Listen, God bless you. Thank you for calling, Kim. We are so grateful for you. And if you want to be on the show, others are listening right now. 888. This is a very easy number to call, by the way. 888-589-8840 on American Family Radio. This is Hope for the Caregiver. I am Peter Rosenberger. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Peter Rosenberger. Have you ever helped somebody walk for the first time? I've had that privilege many times through our organization, Standing with Hope. When my wife, Gracie, gave up both of her legs following this horrible wreck that she had as a teenager, and she tried to save them for years, and it just wouldn't work out, and finally she relinquished them and thought, wow, this is it. I mean, I don't have any legs anymore. What can God do with that? And then she had this vision for using prosthetic limbs as a means of sharing the gospel, to put legs on our fellow amputees. And that's what we've been doing now since 2005 with Standing With Hope. We work in the West African country of Ghana, and you can be a part of that through supplies, through supporting team members, through supporting the work that we're doing over there. You could designate a limb. There's all kinds of ways that you could be a part of giving the gift that keeps on walking at standingwithhope.com. Would you take a moment to go out to standingwithhope.com and see how you can give They go walking and leaping and praising God. You can be a part of that at standingwithhope.com. Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver on American Family Radio. This is Peter Rosenberger bringing you three decades of experience to help you stay strong and healthy as you take care of someone who is not. And we're so grateful that you're with us. Uh, 888-589-8840 is the number of the show. Hey, listen, by the way, if you can't get through, and we do have the phone lines lit, I'm going to try to get through all the calls as best as I can. But also I have the caregiverpodcast.com. I mean, the caregiverpodcast.com. How hard is that? Uh, when it's a free podcast, we put the show out there. And then my book, Hope for the Caregiver. It's available wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, everywhere books are sold, Hope for the Caregiver. And and that's a book for you. And, and it's so easy to read. I made it easy. It's so easy to read. You can read it in the bathroom. I know because that's where I wrote it. I'm just kidding. No, actually, I, well, okay, let's just move on. from <laughs> So I want to, uh, let's see, let's go to Jim. I'm just going to go at the top of the list here. Um, cause I don't know the order everybody came in, but I'm going to go with Florence and Louisiana. Florence, are you with us? And good morning. Good morning, Florence. How you feeling? Yes. I'm feeling pretty good. I feel good. All right. Well, tell me what you got on your heart and mind. Well, my husband has, um, congestive heart failure. He's had it. For a long time, uh, he's been very ill with it, and I'm his mostly sole caregiver. He's been to the point where he couldn't even get up to go to the bathroom. But thanks be to God, he has progressed somewhat better. But it's like he don't want me to have anything 
to do with anybody else. My soul, um, attention, and everything is on doing what he wants me to do, whether he needs it or not. Well, Florence, guess what? Guess what, Florence? Today is your day because that's going to stop today. He doesn't. He doesn't get a vote on controlling your life. Yeah, not right now. This morning, he is angry because I didn't come home right after work yesterday, and instead had my granddaughter somewhere. Drop yes, him off and and, and guess what, home. Florence? He can get he can get happy in the same shoes he got angry in. And you tell him you just step back away from that because what's the plan for him if you go down? No one else will take care of him. He knows. Well, then he he is he mentally impaired, sir. Is he mentally impaired? Well, he has what has been diagnosed with. Um, um, can can he understand if you said if you said a sentence to him? Can he understand it? Yes. Okay, then say yes. this sentence to him. I'm going to go take care of me for a bit. If you get upset with that, you can deal with it with God, but I've got to be healthy because if I'm not healthy, you are certainly not going to be taken care of. And if he can, and write, and if you need me to, I'll be glad to wait while you write that down because he's going to get mad because he likes having somebody do everything for him. Yeah. But you're I mean, not, you're, you're not responsible for all that. You're responsible to take care of him and be a good, good steward of what you're doing and do it as unto the Lord. But you are not his hey, slave, and he doesn't get to tell you what to do as far as being with your granddaughter and all that kind of stuff. You take care of him to the best you can, and if he's mad, he's mad. But is, are you taking? Are you keeping him clean? Yes. yes. Are you keeping him? Are you feeding him? Wait, hang on. Let me just go through the list. Are you feeding him? Yes. Are you making sure that his bed is clean? Yes. Are you paying the bills? Yes. Then tell him to... Chill out. And if he doesn't like it, walk away. Just take a break. Just go outside and go for a walk. Go see your granddaughter. Whatever you got to do to settle your heart down. He does not, if, if you're doing what you can, you can read scripture to him. You can do all those things. But if he still wants to be angry, that's his decision, not yours. You don't have to put up with that. And if he gets abusive with it, you take a step back and you bring somebody else in to help you with that. A pastor. You got a trust you got you you got a pastor that you go to? Yes, we have a pastor. You call your pastor and say, look, I and tell him what you told me this morning. Tell him what the tell the pastor what I told you. And if the pastor won't help you, get a different church. Because and then and then also, see, here's the deal, Florence. You are very fragile at this point. And you are one flu, uh, sprained ankle, you know, your own heart is going to, is going to break on this thing too. And, and that yeah. all, you are one step away from this thing turning into a very, very bad place. Because if you go down, he doesn't have a chance. Are you yeah, tracking with I me? Have issues too. Well, know. of course you do. Of course you do. And so when's the last time you saw your doctor? Way overdue. In fact, all right. I have all right. Here's where we're going to start today. This is where we're going to start, Florence. We're not going. We, you didn't get here overnight. You're not going to get out of this overnight. But here's where we're going to start today. 
I want okay. you to promise me and everybody listening on this show that Monday morning you're going to make an appointment with your physician to get a physical. Okay. And get a checkup. When's the last time you had a physical? Oh, uh, it's been about a year, but I was. All right. Well, it's about that time then. I get one every year, and then I go every every six months minimum. I'm, my doctor's laying eyeballs on me. Yeah. Now, you're going to promise me that you're going to call your own doctor and see to your own health starting Monday morning. Now, can you say that with me? Yes, sir. I promise I'm going to call to see about my own health. Uh, I was supposed to have some surgery. My husband was sick in the hospital. I had to have it canceled, and I have not rescheduled it, but I'm going to check on that. I That's am good. Monday morning. And then we're going to call you. You're going to talk to your pastor. And if your pastor can't help you, we'll deal with that. You call back next week. We'll have a different plan for that. However, when you're seeing your doctor, tell tell your doctor the stress that you're under and that you need some professional help, maybe an aging uh, specialist that's a social worker or a counselor, a licensed mental health counselor, support group, something that can help you because you are really struggling. And if your doctor is just looks at you like he or she is clueless, then we need to get another doctor for you because doctors that don't understand the stress on caregivers are not the kind of doctors that caregivers need to be seeing. Okay. Okay. Now that look, this is not going, not going to fix the problem. That's not what we're here. What we're trying to do is kind of detach you from it so that you can be a little bit healthier and calmer in this thing. Okay. Okay. You know, you're, you're not required to be miserable as a caregiver. I promise you, you're not. And I'm going to promise you something else, Florence. God sees what you're doing. He does, huh? He does, honey. He really does. And he's not hes not up there. He's not up there just looking at you with a critical eye. You are, you are a delight to, to your Savior. And you're doing the best that you can with a, an impossible situation. So what we're going to do is we're going to pull together as a group of caregivers listening across this American Family Radio, across this whole network. And we're going, to, we're going to just join with you, and we're going to try to help you get to a place of safety. We're going to pray with you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to point you towards safety, okay? Okay. Now, now, there's more information. I have all kinds of stuff that you can listen to and watch and read on my website. It's standingwithhope.com. The book's out there. The, care, the podcast is out there. It's free. I got blog posts out there. I got music out there. All the things that you need to help you along that journey at standingwithhope.com. But you're going to call your doctor on Monday, and we're going to rejoice with you, and I want you to call back and let us know how it went, okay? I will. I will. All right, Florence. I appreciate you calling. I'm going to jump I'm going to jump to another call. Is that all right? That's fine, and I appreciate you, Mike. All right. Let's you have a fabulous Donna day. Virginia. Uh, Donna in Virginia. Donna, good morning. How are you feeling? Donna? Good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling, How Donna? Are you? Oh, uh, for Good. a man of my age and limited abilities, I'm all right. <laughs> I think you said that this last time I talked to you. <laughs> well, I, well I, I, the week. nothing much has changed for me. <laughs> oh, well, bless you anyway. We're, we're blessed by the best. 
Well, we, we do the best we can with what we got there, neighbors. All right, tell me what's on your heart and mind. We got a whole bunch of calls I'm going to try to get through here. What okay. you got going? Um, the lady that called before the last, um, she was concerned about her grandmother, I believe, not wanting to take drugs. Her mother. Her mother, okay. Um, right. that, genera- that generation typically, like mine, uh, are accustomed to um, not so many drugs that are out there and multiple, as you see them advertised on the TV, and they give you all the side effects, which are many. There are alter- alternatives to drugs for almost every disease out there, unless it's congenital or you're born with it. Well, I don't think her problem was not wanting to take drugs. Her problem was just wanting to be belligerent. But um, I do appreciate you, well, you making us aware that there are alternatives out there. But but her part, what, what I'm focused on now is letting this lady get a cutout because the relationship dynamic is so bad that it's causing some different problems. The drugs were really not the issue with her. The drug, the, 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 the issue was the relationship dynamics, and that means she's got to step back away from that. But, Donna, those are, those are important things to remember, that there are alternatives, and I thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. I've got a bunch of calls i got to get through, and uh, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go to Rosalind in Florida. Rosalind, good morning. How are you feeling? I'm feeling well. How are you? You know, I did an inventory, and I think most of me is okay. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> what you got on your mind and heart? What What's going on? Well, um, I am almost 60. I was living with um, my aunt, who's 90 years old. She recently accused me of doing something, taking a cap gun that was 40 years old and a another little gun that she has, and she put me out of her house. But anyway, she's found it, and I was not only a care, you know, was not a real caretaker because she can still go, move, drive, and all of that, but she does have moments where she forgets things, and she lives by herself. Anyway, I've been doing this on and off for years, and she is very abusive to me. I moved out a month ago. And now she's so nice, like she's been in the past. She does things. She talks crazy. She uses foul language. She all kind of things. And now well, listen, she lives listen, in a house. Rosalind, uh-huh. we got it. We got to go to a quick break here. Can you hang on just a second? Because I want to get back to that. Okay? Can you hang on through the break? Okay. Yeah. Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me, but over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, We've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies. And with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing With Hope. 
Welcome back to the show for caregivers, about caregivers, hosted by a caregiver. This is Hope for the Caregiver on American Family Radio. We are so glad that you are with us. If you want to find out more about what we're doing, go to standingwithhope.com. You can find out how to get my book, Hope for the Caregiver, Seven Caregiver Landmines, and how you can avoid them. Our CD, Songs for the Caregiver, you can download that on iTunes, Amazon right now, and listen to it. I guarantee you it's, it's, it will reduce uh, well, I, I tested it on myself on 285 in rush hour in Atlanta traffic one day. I was coming back through there, and I put it on my CD, and it is guaranteed to reduce road rage. I promise you, I tested it on myself. So uh, it will it will help calm you down. Uh, hope for the caregiver, the audio book. You can download it and take a 30-year caregiver with you when you're going back and forth to doctor's office or hospitals or whatever you got to do. I put it all out there. Will you take advantage of it? Okay? Standingwithhope.com. Standingwithhope.com. Let me go back to Roslyn in Florida. Roslyn. Hi, yes. Sorry sorry to make you wait so long. You still with us? That's okay. All right. So your uh, aunt yeah, is well, anyway. your aunt's doing better because because you guys have got a little bit of space between you, or at least your relationship is doing better with your aunt. Is that what I understand? Well, I'm doing better, yes, definitely. Well see, that's and that's the key is that you're doing better. Yeah. And my relationship with her has been volatile since I remember. Well, that's it's probably not going to change with. That's probably not going to change right. with age. So, uh, George Burns, you remember George Burns, the comedian? Yes. He used mm-hmm. to say, "He used to say, uh, happiness is a warm and loving family separated by two states." <laughs> and so, sometimes you just yeah. got to have a little space. Sometimes you got to have a little yeah. space, and if, if you realize that she's going to be toxic, the closer you get to her in certain areas, then just mm-hmm. keep that. Just do that space. Give her some space on that, and that way you're not getting sucked into the, the to her dysfunction. Okay. Right. Right. The 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 point right. of my book, Seven Caregiver Landmines, is that there are these landmines out there that we run into, and we don't have to keep hitting them. And 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 what's going to happen is is that if if we don't start getting smart on the way we walk, then uh, through through this path, then we're going to keep getting ourselves hurt. And right. let's let's just don't let's just don't do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. My concern you know, is uh, she lives in a house that she and my sister, my sister and she purchased together. Ten years ago, my sister was supposed to come a year after she, uh, a year later when she retired. She lives in New York. She hasn't got there yet. So all during the years, I, I've been helping her out. Other family members been helping her out financially. But her mortgage by itself is $1,700 a month. And, and your sister, tried, your sister is where? In New York. And your sister has a good job there? Well, she's retired now. She's like 68. She's All right, retired, so, but she's taking care of her grown kids up north. Yes. But she owns this house with your aunt. Yes, she does. Do you do you own this house with your aunt? No, I do not, but I was still I had to have a place to live, you know, anyway, so I Are you I'm living with, with your aunt? Her. 
Are you living no, with your not aunt? No more. Okay. No, not more. So why don't you why don't you continue? What what's keeping you from continuing that path of staying away from your aunt and your sister's business? Nothing. Well, then Nothing why don't we? Why don't we just go ahead and let them work it all out since they're all grown adults? Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that. I mean, that. there's it's, there's it's, there's no need for you to stick your nose into all that kind of stuff. You know what? Uh, uh, there's an old joke that Will Rogers says. I went to a doctor and I said, no, Henny Youngman said this. He said, Doc, I broke my leg in two places. He said, well, stop going to those places. And, you know, <laughs> I think right. this is the thing. We we keep sticking our hands in the blender and then we get upset when something yeah. happens. Take just walk away and let your sister work yeah. it out. And your sister, and if your sister calls you up, so what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Well, I wasn't thinking about it at all. Right. You're, you're That's how you respond. Right. It's not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. Okay. That's, that's and, true. and the best, the best thing for you to do for you is for you to keep away from all this toxic stuff that just takes you into a bad place where you're getting fussed at and cussed at and everything else. Just don't go down that street. You know what? If you if you, you know, know when you if you know you're going to get hurt if you go down that street, stay away from that street. Why go down that street? No, okay. All, All right. right, listen, Rosalind. Thank you so much for calling. Let's go to um, Charlene in Louisiana. Charlene, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? I'm doing good, Pat. How are you? Well, I'm Peter. Hello. I'm Peter, not Pat. I'm sorry, Peter. <laughs> That's How all right. Are you? I've been called worse, but I'm doing okay, Charlotte. Uh, we care, one of the one of the seven caregiver landmines in my new book is the loss of identity, and so at least I want to make sure that everybody knows my name. And, uh, <laughs> all right, tell me what's going on with you, Charlotte. We got we got just a few minutes. Tell me what's going on with you. Well, I just wanted to give a little short part of my story uh, back about seven years ago. I was the care, main caregiver for my father, um, and my husband and I took care of him uh, within a year of his death, and uh, he had um, developed a disease, and he was on medication, and the disease that he had caused him mental incapacity. Uh, because of certain things that would happen. And I was in a position, even though he, when he was in a part of the same mind, uh, I was in a position that he knew that I was there for him. He was, uh, he loved me. I was taking care of him. But when he was in the part where his mind wasn't there, uh, he was like that. He was belligerent to me. He would you know, cuss me out. And my husband and I are both ministers and, uh, we knew it was our obligation to take care of my father. And, but to, to make now, a let's, long let's story take short, a moment in, in the interest of time, let's deal with it. Obligation is one thing. Stewardship is a different thing. This is what I'm trying to help caregivers understand. Let's replace that word obligation with stewardship. You have a responsibility to be a okay. good steward, but you're not obligated. Obligated will leave to lead to resentment. And you are a steward. Okay, God but, owns this, not you. Well, there were certain times that when he was in the frame of mind that I could talk to him, I would say to him, you need to do this. And if you don't, 
said, I'm going to go back because I lived across the street from him. And I said, I'll go back home until you want to behave yourself and do what you know the doctors are telling you you need to do. Well, all in all, I'm saying all this because when you're a caregiver, uh, it takes a lot of prayer. Uh, You need to pray about everything. And there would be times I would just come home and I would cry and I would pray to God about it. And then it would refresh me to go back in order to minister to my father. And uh, we did not get hospice for him until two weeks uh, before he passed away. And he went into a coma. And I have a, I had a sister and a brother, but they did not help either. And, but that was okay. But when my father did well, pass away, it's, it's not really okay. I knew that I had, I had done everything in my power to help him, and this comforted me in the time of his passing away. Well, I'm glad to hear that, Charlene, and uh, it's not okay that siblings don't help, and we need to deal with that however we need to deal with it, and let we'll have to walk through some forgiveness on some of that. My goal is for fellow caregivers to not to live their life filled with resentment towards themselves, their loved ones, their family members for not helping the way that they probably ought to have or even at God, and and sounds like you're on a, on a good path towards that. I'd like to see more people replace that word obligation with stewardship. Stewardship is a much better word for us as caregivers, and it helps us understand who really owns this problem, which is God. God owns this. I don't have the power to make my wife's legs grow back. I don't have the power to fix what that car wreck did to her 35 years ago. But I do have the power to treat her with respect and kindness and to take care of the one person standing between her and even worse disaster, which is me, and to take care of myself and emotionally, physically, fiscally, professionally, all of the above. So, Charlene, thank you for sharing your story with us. I do appreciate that very much. I'm going to try to squeeze in one call, and I've only got about a minute or two for Lynn. Lynn, I'm not sure what state you're in, but welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you feeling? Lynn, you with us? Well, we uh, lost yes, Lynn. Sir. I am calling. Oh, there you are. Uh, are you there? Okay, I'm here. I'm calling I'm, you from Texas. <laughs> all right, we only got about a minute or so, so make it, jump to it real quick. What you got? What, how you feeling, and okay. what's going on I, with you? Oh, we're doing great, and I get to hear you're feeling fine from everybody. I'm glad for that. But no, I, mostly I would like to just say I'm I'm so thankful for you. I've been a caregiver for years, and I just so appreciate everything that that you say. We just appreciate you so much. And um, quickly, I would say then that. Um, I've taken care of an older man for a long time. He's my neighbor, and he can be such a little rascal at times. But he was um, – I just wanted to say this out for the other caregivers, that he was um, needing so much help, but nobody – no family will help him at all. And what I've learned is that I tried to hold him back. He wanted to go ahead, walk without a walker, walk without a cane, be stubborn. And I thought, he's going to fall, and I don't want him to fall while I'm taking care of him. And I had to learn to kind of just let go and let him go, and it did so much better. And I was terrified he'd fall, but the doctor said, just let him go, and he will be okay. And sure enough, he got better, and just that made him all the stronger, and he got better on his own without beholding him. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. That is, Letting go is a big deal with it. Uh, You know, there's a chapter in my book that's called, They're Going to Fall. And uh, they're going to fall. Hope for the Caregiver is the book. You can get it today. But the, but they're, they're going to fall. You can't live your life in prison around somebody who doesn't want to follow good instructions. You do the best you can with it. 
But that's the whole point of us as caregivers. We're doing the best we can. The results are up to God. This is Hope for the Caregiver on American Family Radio. Thank you for joining us. Go to standingwithhope.com for more information. We'll see you next week. You've heard me talk about Standing with Hope over the years. This is the prosthetic limb ministry that Gracie envisioned after losing both of her legs. Part of that outreach is our prosthetic limb recycling program. Did you know that prosthetic limbs can be recycled? No kidding. There is a correctional facility in Arizona that helps us recycle prosthetic limbs. And this facility is run by a group out of Nashville called Core Civic. And we met them over 11 years ago. And they stepped in to help us with this recycling program of taking prostheses and you disassemble them. You take the knee, the foot, the pylon, the tube clamps, the adapters, the screws, the liners, the prosthetic socks, all these things we can reuse and inmates help us do it. Before CoreCivic came along, I was sitting on the floor at our house or out in the garage and when we lived in Nashville and I had tools everywhere, limbs everywhere and feet, boxes of them and so forth. And I was doing all this myself and I'd make the kids help me. And it got to be too much for me. And so I was very grateful that Core Civic stepped up and said, look, we are always looking for faith-based programs that are interesting and that give inmates a sense of satisfaction. And we'd love to be a part of this. And that's what they're doing. And you can see more about that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. So please help us get the word out that we do recycle prosthetic limbs. We do arms as well, but the majority of amputations are are lower limb, and that's where the focus of Standing with Hope is. That's where Gracie's life is with her lower limb prostheses. And she's used some of her own limbs in this outreach uh, that she's recycled. I mean, she's been an amputee for over 30 years. So you go through a lot of legs and parts and other types of materials, and you can reuse prosthetic socks and liners if they're in good shape. All of this helps give the gift that keeps on walking, and it goes to this prison in Arizona where uh, it's such an extraordinary ministry. Think about that. Inmates volunteering for this. They want to do it, and they've had uh, amazing times with it, and I've had very moving conversations with the inmates that work in this program. And you can see, again, all of that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. They're putting together a big shipment right now for us to ship over. We do this pretty regularly throughout the year as inventory rises, and they need it badly in Ghana. So please uh, go out to stadywithhope.com slash recycle and get the word out and help us do more. If you want to offset some of the shipping, you can always go to the giving page and be a part of what we're doing there. We're purchasing material in Ghana that they have to use that can't be recycled. We're shipping over stuff that can be, and we're doing all of this to lift others up and to Point them to Christ, and that's the whole purpose of everything that we do, and that is why Gracie and I continue to be Standing with Hope. Standingwithhope.com Take my hand, lean on me, we will stay.